Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for think if you were in the people of Keilah and David came in and saved you from the Philistines, you would like David. You would welcome him. You would say, you know what? You had our back, David. We're going to have yours. But that's not what happened. They were going to. They didn't yet, but they were going to betray David. And the Lord was protecting David from this. So he told him through the stones, they will betray you. First Samuel 23 and 13. So David and his men, about 600, arose and departed from Keilah and went wherever they could go. Then it was told Saul that David escaped from Keilah, so he halted the expedition. Guys, have I said it enough times today? Are you getting my point that you always consult with the Lord every time, every time? Whenever we try to run into a problem, you can't see everything. It's like a minefield. They're intended to not be seen. You might step on one. You always got to ask God how to deal with it first, because it's the unseen things that'll bite you. You may have your plans lined out and say, well, I've got this in order and that, and I've got these elements to contend with, and oh, here's this problem, and you run right in. I'm telling you, it's the unforeseen things that'll snap you, that'll get you. And so God sees things that you can't see. He sees things that David can't see, and so he asked him first what should happen. He did not see that the people of Keilah ahead of time were going to betray him, so he asked God, and God says, yep, don't step into that trap. They will turn you over to Saul. And so David and his men departed before they could be handed over to Saul, before it had the chance to even come about. And you notice now, how many men does David have? In the previous chapter, he had 400. How many has he got now? He's got 600 guys. He's got 200 more than he had, which means David's influence is growing. People like his leadership more than Saul's, but Saul is failing more all the time. And back in verse 7, Saul said, God has delivered David into my hand. No, he didn't. (laughs) God did not deliver David into Saul's hand. But when Saul was believing this, oh, God gave gave David to me this time. Who is telling Saul that? Where did Saul get that from, to believe that? If God did not tell him that, then who did? If God's not saying it, who is saying it? Friends, this is what you call deception. Did you know that Satan is a liar? He lies. And, oh, somebody told, I heard something that has to be God, and you charge right in, and you don't really ask God first, oh, but God told me. Did he? David's inquiring of the Lord, Saul's not. Saul actually believes God gave him to me this time, but he didn't. Saul is deceived. He is believing lying spirits that are lying to him, misleading him. And so Saul is deceived. And so look how bad it is all the way around. 1 Samuel 23 and 14. 
And David stayed in strongholds in the wilderness and remained in the mountains in the wilderness of Ziph. Saul sought him every day, but God did not deliver him into his hand. So David saw that Saul had come to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel. Guys, underline that. Man, make a note of that. This means Jonathan sees the calling of God. He says that you shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. Verse 18, so the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Oh my gosh, what a good guy Jonathan is. Don't you wish you had friends? I hope you have friends like Jonathan. Godly guys that can see properly what's really going on. You know, Jonathan could have taken up Saul's bad direction to try to inherit the throne. Typically, the son inherits the throne from a king, but he gave all that up. He He's not striving to try to get the throne. Uh, well, my dad thinks I should have it. Well, I th- I'll think I'll join him. I'll get it too. That means I get to be king. Why should David get to be king? He's not Saul's son. I am. You got to realize Jonathan gave all that up. He turned away from that life to risk his life. He could have been killed for it, to go down and encourage David to confirm the legitimacy of David's kingship. Man, how many people do we have today that would do what Jonathan did? Typically, people in Jonathan's position, they would be super jealous of David, just like Saul is being in the story, that God would skip over me. God would not skip over me. I'm entitled, especially today. Everybody thinks they're entitled to everything. Why would God skip over my shot at being king and hand it to somebody else? Jonathan, he actually did not resent David for the high calling that God put on his life, but he went to encourage David. Has somebody ever been given something by God that you were jealous of them for it? Like they had a bigger ministry, or maybe they have a bigger house, or maybe you covet something they've got, their car, wife, whatever, and you wish you had what they had and it made you resent them, or did you encourage them? This is God's calling for you. I'm glad you have this. I know you're going to use this for the Lord to further his kingdom. Which way do you take? Because if you don't take the right direction, if you can't recognize God's calling, you'll end up just as messed up and deceived as Saul is. So a lot of credit to Jonathan and a good example out of Jonathan for showing us how we should be. And he recognized it was God's will for David to be king. Kind of like John the Baptist said of Jesus, hey, less of me, more of him. And so what's interesting is that if you have a father and a son, Saul and Jonathan, and one of them has the ability to recognize God's will in a situation, and the other one does not. First Samuel 23 and 19. Then the Ziphites came up to Saul at Gibeah, saying, Is David not hiding with us in the strongholds of the woods in the hill of Hakila? And Hebrew friends, I'm sorry, I'm redneck. I know I butchered that word. In the hill of Hakila, which is on the south of Jeshimon. Now, therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of your soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. Okay. Even the Ziphites, if that's how you say it, even these people are 
intending to betray David. Everybody wants to buddy up to the king, and they're going to betray David. You can clearly see the people who do not recognize God's will on David, God's calling on David to be king, the people that can't see it greatly outnumber those who can. Typically, guys, when it comes to persecution, the believers are greatly outnumbered. Stand your ground and just do what God tells you to do. That's all you got to do. He fights the battle for you. You don't have to worry about that. Just obey what God tells you to do. There are more people on Saul's side than there are who understand God's will enough to take David's side. But we know how the story turns out, so apply that in your own life when it comes to your own persecution. 1 Samuel 23 and 21. And Saul said, Blessed are you of the Lord, for you have compassion on me. Please go and find out for sure and see the place where the hideout is and who has seen him there, for I am told he is very crafty. See, therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hides and come back to me with certainty, and I will go with you. And it shall be, if he is in the land, that I will search for him throughout all the clans of Judah. So they arose and went to Ziph before Saul. But David and his men were in the wilderness of Maon, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. When Saul and his men went to seek him, they told David. Therefore he went down to the rock and stayed in the wilderness of Maon. And when Saul heard that, he pursued David in the wilderness of Maon. Then Saul went on one side of the mountain, and David and his men went on the other side of the mountain. So David made haste to get away from Saul, for Saul and his men were encircling David and his men to take them. But a messenger came to Saul, saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines invaded the land. Therefore Saul returned from pursuing David and went against the Philistines, so they called that place the Rock of Escape. Then David went up from there and dwelt in the strongholds at En Gedi. Okay, Saul got real close to catching David, didn't he? Real close. But suddenly this Philistine attack happened, so Saul had to go deal with them. Now, do you honestly think that the Philistines just happened to attack at this point in time? They just happened to show up? <laughs> or do you think that they attacked by the Lord's influence to distract Saul? Mm-hmm. Think of that one to distract Saul off of David's trail, to get David some escape time. I think God used even the problematic Philistines to distract Saul long enough for David to escape to En Gedi. I believe that's what happened here. And actually, En Gedi, when you think about it, it's an oasis. It was about 10 miles north of Masada on the Dead Sea. It's an oasis. There's water. Everything's there that you need to, to hang for a while. There was provision. Have I said it not a million times already? Always inquire of the Lord what to do. He will direct you. What, you're sending me out to the Dead Sea? You're sending me out to nowhere? No, I'm sending you out to an oasis where you can be refreshed and filled with water. Oh my gosh, guys, we need to have a filling of the Holy Spirit. Different from an indwelling. You believe in Jesus, you get indwelled, but you need a, a filling. And if you follow God, you will be positioned. He will position you to receive blessing. And that's what he just did with David here. That's awesome. And I can make a whole sermon just on that alone. The last time that, that Saul almost caught up with David, the Spirit of God jumped on everybody and kind of immobilized them, it kept them from being able to chase David. And it was just in time for David to get away so that Saul couldn't catch him. 
you see here that the Lord is defending David. That's what's happening. The Lord is defending David. He's going to get him to the throne. Now, if Saul had really been in tune with the Lord, like he thought he was, oh, he gave him into my hands. No, he didn't. (laughs) If he had really been as in tune with God, like he thought, then he would have consulted with the Lord like David did, and and David wouldn't have got away. Of course, that's just not the way the Lord had it lined out, did he? If he had really inquired of the Lord, if he had done things right, he would have stopped pursuing David entirely. He would have stopped, and things could have turned out very differently for Saul, very different. Remember, Samuel actually told Saul in chapter 13, he said the Lord would have established your kingdom forever, but you have not obeyed him. That's a rather shocking statement to hear because, you know, when you read the story, Saul was not really God's guy intended to be king. The Lord had another guy in mind, but the people demanded a king, now their own king, and so God brought in Saul, but that's not the way the Lord wanted it to go. But he would have set his kingdom up forever. Kind of a shocking statement. Saul could have been, and and he ruined it. He could have been the perfect benchmark that every king would follow. Every future king would follow his example from then on. He would have set royal precedents that would have been followed, that every king would be measured by. But Saul chose not to consult with the Lord. Saul ruined it. He messed it up. And he rather would do things on his own. The pride got in the way. And that caused both Israel as well as Saul himself to stray from God. And that always brings about destruction, doesn't it? Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Friends, let me just boil that down to our modern-day language. What you think is right is not right. That's why you've got to ask the Lord what you think is right. That's not right. Now, David's life was given to us here in the text in the Old Testament to be given as a a foreshadowing picture to us of the Lord Jesus Christ who would come. We have seen David's enemy try to kill him, continually pursue him to try to kill him. David was pursued this way and that up this mountain around this area back here over there. It's kind of like a little cat and mouse thing going on. He, He wasn't caught, but he was constantly run after. Saul was always trying to get him. Matthew 26 and 59 says this, now, about Jesus. Now, the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death. See, Jesus had people after him, too. The enemy was out trying to take Jesus down and kill him. Luke 4 and 29. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. <laughs> How many of you remember the people tried to kill Jesus? Let's throw him off the cliff down the way here. They went to throw him off, and all of a sudden he just walked through them. Did he turn invisible and pass through them, or did he take the appearance of a different guy and they lost track of him? Who knows? All we know is they could not throw him off the cliff. The Lord was protected. David is being protected, even though everybody's after him. The Lord protects those who are his. Friend, I know you're dealing with persecution right now. Let the Lord deal with that. It's his battle. You just do what the Lord tells you to do. Consult with him and ask. But the reason that so many people always tried to kill Jesus and betray him is because just like Saul was with David, they simply 
could not recognize the purpose that God had upon him, upon Jesus. John 1 verse 11 says, Jesus, he came to his own people, and his own did not receive him. The people could not see it. They could not see what the Lord had on him. David was persecuted. He was betrayed, and many people tried to murder him. The same for Jesus. In fact, if you jump into Acts 7, verse 51, it says this, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in your, in your heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. A lot of people were betrayers and murderers. Betrayal and murder. That is everything that's going against David. Jesus had to deal with that. David had to deal with that. David is a picture for us of Jesus. Friends, every single time you read the Bible, every time you read it, always look for Jesus. I want you to look for Jesus in the text. He's always there. You just got to look. And it doesn't matter if you're reading Old Testament, the Gospels or the New. Jesus is in those words. Look for Jesus in the text. The Bible should also be teaching you to consult with the Lord's will for our decisions. After seeing how bad Saul turned out, it should really motivate us to stop doing things our own way. Don't do things your own way. Listen to the Lord God. When we do things our own way, we're basically telling the Lord, I don't trust you. I know better than you. I'm God. You're below me. I'm above you, Lord. I know better. This is the attitude of most people who consider themselves to be saved. They never obey the Lord. We talked last time about assembling in the body of Christ. That's a command. Most people call themselves a Christian. They don't do it. They're as deceived as Saul. They, they do not find God worth their obedience. They would rather spend their lives doing everything their own way. Now, remember how David fought for the people of Keilah, and those very same people that he fought for, he fought for them, and he won a victory for them. They turned their backs on him. Because the Lord said, they're going to betray you. They should have befriended David. They should have welcomed him. And you know, I want us all to understand that Jesus fought and won a victory to save you. He won, and he did it for you. And so when he gives you a command, will you turn your back on Jesus and say no? Or will you obey? Will you welcome Jesus as a friend and obey what he says by asking what he thinks about your decisions, or will you, would you rather turn and do things your own way? Guys, he fought for you. He won a battle for you. Why do you betray him through your disobedience? Proverbs 19 and 21 says, There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. You know, friends, in Matthew 7, it says that many people, many, not few, this means the majority, many people are going to appear before Jesus saying, hey, we're here, we're ready to come in, we're, we're your guy, Jesus, we're here, we did all this great stuff for you, and the Lord's going to say, uh, no, depart from me, I never knew you. Those people are going to realize they never did things for the Lord. They did things what they thought was for the Lord, like Saul thought it was for the Lord to go kill David. 
the Lord was protecting David from Saul. Saul was deceived. Saul did what he thought God was telling him to do, but he never consulted with the Lord. He never obeyed the Lord. Friend, when's the last time you consulted with the Lord for any of your decisions at all? Or do you live your own life on your own terms, doing things your own way? If you're doing that, you are walking a deceived life. You are walking in a disobedient life that does things your own way rather than God's way, and you are betraying Messiah Jesus who fought a victory for you. You should be welcoming him. You should befriend Jesus. You should follow and ask Jesus, what do you think about this? Lord, what do you think about this situation? Ask him what he thinks and let him change your life. It's called repentance. It's you turning. You need to make a turn. There is no such thing as a non-repentant salvation. You cannot say, I'm saved, and still live the same old life that you've always lived. If I told you I just got run over by an 18-wheeler that tipped over and exploded and burned up everything, including myself, but now here I am on camera talking to you, and if I told you that just happened to me before I did this sermon, would you believe me? Of course you wouldn't. Why? Because I don't look any different. Friends, when you tell people that you're saved in Jesus and you look absolutely no different from the rest of the world, nobody believes you. Believers don't believe you and unbelievers won't believe you either because you haven't changed. Jesus Christ is so big that when you encounter him, you will change. And if you haven't, you're in trouble. Because when Jesus says, depart from me, for I never knew you, he says, depart from me, you who practice iniquity. Iniquity means those of you who did it your own way. Jesus is going to tell the people that never consulted, Lord, what do you think? What should I do? I want to obey you, Lord. Lord, how do I do this? People that never asked him, and they said, no, we're going to do it our own way, and that's how they live their life. Those are the ones that Jesus is going to say, depart, because you never believed in him. He never got to know you. You can change that right now. I hope you're scared because that's the fear of the Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom. Follow me in prayer. You've got to pray this yourself. I can't pray it for you. You've got to believe this, okay? Father, forgive me. I have sinned. I have messed up. I tried doing things my own way, and I didn't realize how wrong it was. Lord, now I ask you to direct my path. Father, forgive me of the former life I have lived. Father, come into my life and change me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You fought for me, and you won. I receive you as a friend. I don't want to betray you anymore. Come into my life and save me. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again. You defeated the grave. Therefore, since death no longer has mastery over you, it no longer has mastery over me. Thank you for your free gift of grace so I could have eternal life. I give up my old life. I walk away from it. I turn around. I now ask you, Lord God, How do you want me to live my life? I give it to you. It's yours. Take it. Now, what do I do with it? Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. I belong to you. Friend, if you just prayed that for the first time, go to setforliferadio.com. Send me a message. I'd like to talk with you. I'd like to find out what this message has done for you today. Stay in your Bible. Read it, think it, speak it, do it. Read it, think it, speak it, do it. It's the Word of God. It's there for you to read, and it will change your life. The Lord will change your life. Thank you for being with me. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.